So I've never felt more comfortable to bring a word. I don't know why I feel real comfortable tonight. Um, maybe because the word has been like stewing in me for like two months. Something similar to um, how 30 high school boys after a game of rugby stew on a bus. Um, it's pretty stinky. Has anyone ever caught the bus and there's been like a stack of boys, high boys on there and you just, you're like, no. And you hop in and it's just stanky. There's just Dio everywhere and you've, you've got to sit on there and go around the orbiter. Anyway, it's terrible. Um, anyway, that's what the Word of God has been doing in my heart. <laughs> it's been so good. Um, so I have the privilege of talking about rock and roll. Orion got all the cool topics. He got to talk about sex and um, drugs. And I get to talk about music. So, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty apt. It's pretty cool. Um, not apt, really. Don't know. Um, so I thought I'd share with you how, um, how I'm involved in music so that you understand the heart of where I come from when I'm talking tonight. So um, let's get started with a prayer because I feel like we're going to need some prayer tonight. So, okay. <laughs> Thank you, God, for tonight. Thank you for this word that you've obviously laid on my heart. So, Father God, I just pray that you help um, me bring it in a way that is... Um, of you and with grace, but also with truth and that everyone here can take away something that they can adjust and change in their life this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. Okay. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my history. So I grew up in Hawke's Bay in Flaxmere. Um, Flaxmere is pretty gangster. Um, so there was no choice but for me to become a hip-hop dancer, <laughs> which I did. That's not a joke. You guys can laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, what? Demo. No, I can't do a demo. I'm sort of more like ants these days. <laughs> What's that one? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to go there. I used to be good. I am no longer probably good unless I do like a, you know. But Glenn never lets me, so it's not going to happen. Anyway, so I was a hip-hop dancer for a while. Um, we started off in a really Christian hip-hop dance crew, but who knows, sometimes back in I don't know, it was 15 years ago, dancing to Christian hip-hop was a little bit lame. They didn't really have much going on. It was uh, DC Talk, um, other Christian bands. Anyway, it's terrible. Um, so we started dabbling and other things. You know how you, how you get the, um, the really cool beats from Usher, but you take out all the vile language and you dance to that instead. That was great. So that was us for a little bit. Um, and then I went up to XL. Who know, who's heard of XL? It's like a performing arts school up in Auckland. This is so mean, so cool. Anyway, at the end of my year, the principal comes up to me as I'm leaving the room where I find out I haven't made it to second year. And he's like, Naomi, you're so passionate. You've done such a great job. Go and do something with your brain. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. So I quit dance. No, <laughs> no it was fine. Um, <clears throat> So I moved back to Hawks Bay. Anyway, I married my husband, Glenn, moved up here. Who knows uh, anything about Glenn? There's no hip-hop anywhere in any bone. He's pretty bogan. When I met him, he walked into my church wearing a Metallica shirt with the, the hands holding the gravestone things, and he just stood there staring at the drummer like, yeah, so that's, um, that's the Glenn that I met, and uh, not at all hip-hop. So, yeah, um, so I married him, moved up here. Um, joined the worship team, was sort of uh, helping out there for a while, then had a baby, um, and I now help lead the night church worship team. So that's my little, thank you. I hope that's like a yay you do, not yay you weren't up there tonight. <laughs> yay. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's a little bit of my history. So um, 
I don't know about you guys, but I pride myself on the music choice that I have in my, in my iPhone, in my phone. So if someone was to go through my phone and check out my Spotify list, I'd be super stoked at how obscure the bands are. So there's um, some real cool stuff that I found, and, and I like to pride myself on being the first one in New Zealand to listen to it, but I'm probably not, because everyone, you know, I don't know. Anyway, so... I just, I find a little bit of my identity is now placed within my playlist. So if someone was to see that, they would see a little piece of me. Who's a little bit like that? Who picks songs specifically because they're like, oh, that resonates with me. That's like a piece of me. The way that he sings and the husk in his voice, oh, that's so beautiful. So I'm going to add that to my playlist because if someone hears that, I want them to think of me. So I I find there's a little bit of identity in my music playlist. Um, And I think we're all a little bit like that. We all put a little bit of... um, ourselves into the music that we choose. So, uh, but one of the problems that I found with music is that I started off in a real high standard of what I allowed myself to listen to. And I found it slowly getting a little bit like, you know, the standards started slipping, let's just say that. So when I was uh, raised in a Christian household, there was a rule, no non-Christian music in this house. And um, until the age of 12, I listened to that. That was, that was my jam, was DC talk and switchfoot and other music from the era. As soon as I got given a cassette player, who knows what a cassette player here is? Everyone over the age of, say, 15. Um, As soon as I got given a cassette player, I found the headphone jack and I would snuggle up under my duvet and listen to Eminem. I swear, Eminem. I copied that song onto a cassette tape and I, and I, and I practiced the rap until I got it. And I was like, I'm Slim Shady, it's Slim Shady. But under a duvet. Okay, so that was me. And Britney Spears. Who remembers that song? I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I was cool for a minute there. Then I brought up Britney Spears. I apologize. I had varied taste. There was like the, I grew up in Flaxmere, but I'm also white. So. <laughs> um, and then I, I sort of moved into a different, you know, like I was, I would listen to music that sounded Christian, like if they were crossover artists. So. You too, you know the guy. He's kind of Christian. He has Christian morals. I was like, he sings cool stuff. I'll listen to you too. Get it? <laughs> um, and then I listened to, you know, music that didn't have lewd lyrics. So, for instance, Usher. But we took out all the bad words. I could listen to that. Um, or if he's singing about, I don't know, hooking up with some girl that's not his wife, I'd listen to that. But I'd take out the lyrics. You know, stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, it was like music that didn't have swearing in it. So I'd allow myself to listen to like some Drake songs, some Kanye, depending if he's singing about God or himself, I don't know. I can't tell yet. Who knows if he's talking about himself or God? Someone explain it to me after the service. Not sure. Um, And then it slowly got down to a point where it's any music that made me feel good because, you know, if I'm in a bad space and I just want to vent, maybe I want some music that's not talking about God and I just want to smash out some stuff, I don't know. So in the end, I start listening to some, you know, some music that if a kid was to hop in my car, I'd quickly have to change the, you know, the settings, the oh, skip, skip, skip. All of a sudden, I had no music in the car except Miffy. Miffy, sweet little bunny. You'll know when you have kids, it's terrible. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say that everyone here has a relationship with music in their lives. So everyone has a similar story where music meant something when they were younger and they've slowly developed in their tastes until they get to a place now. 
And I think that it's really important to note that when you're a young adult and you have no kids and you have no siblings around you and you're flatting, we sort of let our tastes go wherever we want them to go because we don't have any influence on the people, you know, close to us anymore. So we allow ourselves to get a little bit free with our music choice. And so that's where I got to until I had a kid. Um, but I just want to really talk into um, the purpose of music and why was music created? And as Christians, what are we supposed to be listening to? What are our boundaries? What are some of the rules when, well, I don't want to say rules because they're not rules, but like if music was created for a purpose, what purpose was that? And how are we going to enhance our lives using music? So can we talk about that tonight? Is that all good? Cool. Okay. If we want to figure out the purpose of music, we have to figure out how to use it in a holy way. So I heard this really cool um, example of the word holy, because um, when you look up in the dictionary, it's a little bit dry. It just says, you know, godly, without sin, etc. But um, I heard this guy say one time that holy is what the tools that were created for the temple. So I don't know if you've read Leviticus. <laughs> Neither. But... <laughs> Um, I don't know if you've read Leviticus. I, I heard a guy speaking on it. I didn't read it myself. But um, there were these spoons and there were these hammers and there were these tools made for the, for the temple of God. And the way that they became holy is that they were made and set apart to be used for that specific purpose. So if you get a screwdriver because uh, you don't have a hammer in your house and you bang a nail with it, that's an unholy purpose. That's what we're describing tonight, all right? So if you get a hammer that was made for hitting nails and you hit that nail, that's, what, that's its holy purpose, right? So tonight we're going to dig out what the holy purpose of music is. And so if it was made for a purpose, then um, what is that purpose and how do we make it unholy? Cool? Cool. Okay. Well, um, we're going to look at the Word of God. And um, the first one is a little bit intimidating. There's a lot of words, but this story um, is part of what's going to make sense tonight. So I want you guys to turn to 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, or we're going to have it up on the, on the screen. Cool. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Whew. All right, 2 Kings chapter 3. Ahab's son Joram began to rule over Israel in the 18th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 12 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had set up. Nevertheless, he continued in the sins of Jeroboam, some of Nebat had committed, and led the people of Israel to commit. King Mesha of Moab, Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel an annual tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab's death, the king of Moab, Moab, Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. Are you all with me at the moment? Okay, so he's a bad king. Another bad king has stopped paying him tribute. He's about to go smack some king over. Cool. On the way, he sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Moab, there it goes again. Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, my horses are your horses, etc., etc." Then Jehoshaphat asked, what route shall we take, etc., etc.? 
The king of Edom and his troops joined them, and all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days, but there was no water for their men or animals. Are you still with me? I promise this is all necessary. What should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. We're going to skip forward a little bit. Jehoshaphat, so someone recommends Elisha. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Now, this is the important part. Cool. Why are you coming to me, Elisha asked the king of Israel. Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it is the Lord who called us three kings here only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now bring me someone who can play the harp. While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. All right, we got there in the end. There's a harp, something musical. All right, so the reason I wanted to read out that entire passage of scripture is because this is, this is so, so important and I really want you guys to get this tonight. When the musician played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, okay? So Elisha's in a circumstance right there where this evil king that doesn't usually serve his God has come to him asking him for help. And he's so annoyed with this king. He's like, why would I help you with that? Why would I help you defeat this man? You serve Baal. Go ask your gods to come and save you. So he needed something to come in and shift the atmosphere in his mind, right? He needed something to come in and adjust his mindset so that he's no longer focused on all this dumb stuff around him and this guy that's really hacking him off and he could focus on what God was saying, right? So for me, that is super important, right? Music, let's, let's look at this point here. Next, next slide, please. Music brings our mind into focus and facilitates an atmosphere for the spirit to speak to us, okay? So this is one of the key ways that you can use music in a holy way, right? You can use music to bring our mind into focus and facilitate an atmosphere for the Spirit to speak to us. How cool is that? So if you're in a job environment where someone there just gets on your nerve, doesn't pull their weight, sits down a lot. I don't know about you, but I worked in a cafe, and if someone sat down a lot, that was just, yeah. So for me, obviously I couldn't just stick my headphones in and whatever, but maybe coming home at night and listening to something that was good, may have adjusted my spirit, right? So this is super important. This is one of the ways. I just want to point out here that Elisha was not a musician. So for those of you here tonight, where music is not like a big force in your life, and you may not feel like you're talented and all that sort of thing, maybe you just need to like use music in a different way to bring yourself in alignment with God, right? So we don't all have to be musicians here to understand the power of what music can do in our lives. Cool. All right, so that's our first point. Let's, um, let's look at the second one. 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. So this is a little bit smaller. All good? <laughs> Ooh, I know, good for me too. <laughs> All right. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. 
Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of God and has good judgment. He is also a fine looking young man and the Lord is with him. Sweet. Let's jump down to verse 23. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Do you get where I'm going with this one? I just want to point out here, because this is um, an important part of the scripture that we don't really have time to break into. But when it says there that God sent a tormenting spirit, the way they wrote the Old Testament meant that God lifted his hand of protection off Saul. Okay, because Saul had basically just been following the wrong path for too long. So God lifted his spirit of protection off Saul, and therefore a tormenting spirit was able to come in and settle in Saul. So I just want to clarify that because I don't want anyone going away from here thinking that God lays spirits on you that are distressing, all right? He, he just sometimes has to lift his hand off because you don't want him there. And then that gives room for the spirit to sometimes come in and settle in, all right? I just want to point out two things here. Um, so when it says distressing and tormented spirit, that's a little bit old school language. Um, in, in modern day language, that's a manic depressive psychosis. So it's quite severe. All right, in the end, Saul ends his life badly, okay? So the harp didn't fix everything. But when he was in these moods, when he had the severe mental incapability, what would fix that? What would bring him out of that state? It was music. Do you know what was powerful about that music? David had a dependence on God. David, as the musician chosen to come in and help Saul with this, had a dependence on God. So we didn't just pick any old person that played the harp in Israel to come and help Saul. We picked a godly man. We picked a man who depended on God. We picked a man who was well known for his talent, but also for his relationship with God. What sort of music are you allowing into your life when you are in a delicate situation? When you have faced that guy at school that you thought liked you and he doesn't anymore, or there's just heartbreak, um, or someone's used you, someone's abused you, and you come home or you sit in the car and you put on some music, what are you letting into your spirit at that sensitive moment in your life? What are you allowing to take root in your heart when it could be something godly about to happen? When something godly could come in and break that off you, what are you allowing into your spirit? Are you struggling with the idea of a spiritual realm? Because I don't know about you, but here in New Zealand, we can kind of get away with avoiding the spiritual realm sometimes, hey. So we don't really, you know, need the manifest power of God a lot of the time. We can just amble around because our country is quite safe. Um, but when you go overseas and you see countries where they're held in bondage and they're in captive to these massive demons and all that, you can't just go in with a God bless you. You have to be strong spiritually 
And to be strong spiritually, you need to spend time with God. What have we learned about um, David in some of our past sermons? We've learned that he spent his time praising and worshiping God, that he was a man after God's heart, that he spent time with God, right? If the music we're listening to comes from men and people and women who don't spend this time with God, what spirit are they harnessing to create such epic music? So I know that there's some music out there that I'm just not going to get in the Christian circle yet, but I am not willing to be attached to the spirit behind that music anymore, right? Sometimes we have to make a hard call. Sometimes we have to miss that husky voice that we really love in order to grow spiritually. Cool? All right, I've got one more scripture. Because we're Christians here, we love the Bible. Well, some of us are Christians. Some of us love the Bible. I don't know. Okay, this is my favorite, okay? This is, this is totally epic. So I've left it for last, right? So we're going to look at 2 Chronicles chapter 5. <sighs> All right. I'm just going to read it off here. The trumpeters and singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words. He is good. His faithful love endures forever. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. In this situation, music and praise and worship brought a manifest presence of God into their space. How crazy is that? Who else has their mind blown right now? Because I don't know about you, but there's not many times where I've met here in the church and felt a thick cloud come and hit in our space and the Holy Spirit just show up and blow everyone out of the water, right? But this verse here is saying, because the reason I haven't read all the preparations that happened before this moment is because to me, we don't need to prepare our temple like that anymore. God did that for us on the cross, right? So God prepared and paid the price for us to become holy. This is just the tool that God can use to make His presence manifest among us. Now, I don't know about you, but that's pretty flippin' incredible. So... In order to just distinguish here between, um, has anyone here heard of omnipresent? So God is omnipresent. As Christians and as followers of Jesus, we believe that God is everywhere all the time, right? So what's so great about the Holy Spirit manifesting here? Well, the difference between omnipresent and a manifest presence. God's omnipresence is His attribute of being everywhere at once. He is omnipresent even when we do not experience His presence. He is here even if we do not recognize Him, right? So He's here right now. He's omnipresent. We sometimes don't recognize that. We're sitting in the car. A car cuts us off. We swear. Forgot that God is sitting right next to us in the car, right? Okay? Maybe your daughter is not sleeping how she's supposed to sleep and it's been five hours and you're like, please just give me some rest and you accidentally put her down too heavily in the bed, go to sleep. Forgetting that God is standing right next to you, right? Maybe you're at work and your boss has run off to go do something else and you're like, all right, we can have five breaks today and you sit down and you puff on a cigarette, which you don't do because we don't smoke here, do we? No. And you have a puff 
and you're like on your fifth break and you forget that God is sitting right next to you inhaling that secondhand smoke. Suss it out. All right? God is this. That's His omnipresence. But the difference here is that God's manifest presence is where the fact that He is with us is made clear and convincing. Right? So there could be people in this place that have shown up because God brought them here, right? And all of a sudden, the worship and the praise and the heart offering brings the Holy Spirit smack down into this place. Wouldn't that be incredible? I don't know about you, but I've yet to see that here. It probably has happened in little patches, but I'm still praying and hoping that one day when we're up here singing and praising and we've got the guitars and everyone is singing and there's just a unity, that the Holy Spirit just comes down in such a way that we cannot contain it, right? So obviously we can't go back into our homes and, um, and I guess wait. We can. We might be waiting a long time, but for this manifest presence. So what can we do in order to step closer towards us so that when you next come into a gathering of people where we're all singing, where we're all worshiping, where we're all coming together with one heart, what can we do so that we know that our hearts are a little bit more sensitive to that? Where we haven't let anything else in these ears this week. Where the only thing we've let in is the Spirit of God. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing if everyone here was on the same page with God, where the only Spirit that was actively working in your life this week was the Spirit of God? That might be a bit much to ask. Everyone's like, oh no, do I have to delete my playlists? No. Maybe. Yes. Yes, you do. You have to delete your playlists. I just want to share a real personal story. This might be a bit like close to now. I usually like sharing them from a couple of years ago so that you guys think that I have it all together. (laughs) Everyone laughs because they all know (laughs) that I do not. But I just want to share about how um, music and this particular idea has settled in my mind uh, over the past two months since I got asked to speak on the topic. The cool thing was is that I just somehow picked up the idea of leading on a Sunday night, right? So I just somehow managed to end up in that box. That was a cool box to end up in, by the way. I really enjoy it. Um, But one of the things that I had to do in order to do my role really well was I had to listen to all the songs that we were about to lead, that we are about to bring to you guys. And because I hadn't been listening to that music, because I'd been listening to all this other stuff that I really enjoy, over the first three or four weeks, I just had to have this playlist in my car and in my house going over and over and over and over the same songs that we bring to you guys on a Sunday night. And at first, I was a little bit like, Jesus juice, 24-7, I'm wired. (coughs) It's pretty mental. It's pretty mental when you go from what you think is good music and you inhale this massive plate of Jesus juice And you're like, oh my gosh. And it's sort of like you've gone from eating McDonald's and KFC to like 
tank 24-7 and you're just like, come on. And you can feel it working in your body and you're just like energized and the lights are coming on again and you're like, where was this fatigue that I thought I had? Oh no, that was just the chicken. But that's exactly what was happening, right? So God was coming in and moving in my space that I didn't even know was gonna happen. I thought, I've gotta learn these words, I've gotta learn these words, I've gotta learn these words. Just in case the projector doesn't work, I'm gonna be up the creek without a paddle. (laughs) So I've gotta like get these words in me. And by doing that, Jesus showed me how important and how much it changes in my life. And so I really encourage you, I don't think you have to make huge changes because see I didn't come to a massive spiritual realization and then delete all my playlists are still there I'm still like maybe one day I will creep back in and listen to some Drake I won't but you know I have it (laughs) I have it saved there I'm probably going to delete it after this so you guys can't see what I listened to before but um (laughs) not that anyone's going to go looking at my profile (laughs) um But you see, I wasn't like being super spiritual. I was just doing something out of my comfort zone that I'd happened to say yes to. And now here I am with a complete spiritual mind shift. So maybe you don't have to delete your playlist. Maybe you don't have to change your records that you've got saved up in your home. What you do have to do is search out what God wants for you, right? Search out His heart for what He wants for you. And then maybe this stuff just happens. But we can do some practical things, right? So if there is bad juju attached to some songs and, and, and like we look at the people and we know they're not living a good spiritual Christian life, right? So that's the, that's the basic. That's the basic. They're not living a Christian life. They sleep with everybody. They swear in their songs. Basically, they're performing it like, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to point it out for you guys. But we know that that's not right. We know that there's a bad spirit attached to that now. Why would you keep listening to that? Can I challenge you to delete that from your playlists? Cool? I challenge you to do that this week. Maybe you go to the next level. Maybe you say, I'm only going to listen to people that I know are professing Christians and the stuff they write about is wholesome and spiritual. Maybe that's your level. Right? Could squeeze some Christian rap in there, don't know. Lecrae. It's pretty much the only Christian rapper I know right now. I'm sure there are other ones. Um, I don't know. Maybe you go to the next level. Maybe you do a full detox like I did, and it's 24-7 worship music. <laughs> I swear it'll do some stuff in your life. I swear. No doubt. So it's been like two months. So if you want to do that, if you want to do the spiritual detox with me, come and see me after the service. I'll sign you up to a 60-day plan. <laughs> All right? We're going to get some Elevate, some Hillsong United, you know, some house fires. That's what I'm like in my car. Poor Mina. What's going on? Mum's raving in the front. Hosanna! <laughs> That stuff is additional. We can add that on if you'd like. (laughs) No? Cool. All right. I'm going to close before it goes downhill. (laughs) Let's all close our eyes.